Welcome to Falcons Drip, your go-to source for Falcons news and draft coverage. I'm Thon Ray, founder and voice of Falcons Drip. Welcome back, welcome back, oh, welcome back, Falcons fans. Today we are going to look at the New York Jets. Um, we're flying over to London, playing them, and we're just going to look at some matchups. And we got a special guest. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff. And today we're joined by head high school football coach, Jets analyst, and one of my good friends, William Charles Campy Third. You forgot long-suffering Jets fan in that description, but I appreciate being <laughs> on. I'm glad to be here, fellas. <laughs> we're happy to have you yeah it's 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 not easy to find somebody who loves talking jets football loves a strong word but i <laughs> so just talking about the nfc south um we watched sam darnold who i've always really liked leave the jets where he was you know chained up by adam gase and he's now tearing it up with the Carolina Panthers. Boo. So Bill, I guess my first question is, do you think it was the right choice to let him go? I think, uh, I think tearing it up is kind of a strong word uh, when it comes to Sam Darnold. I mean, they played the Jets the first game of the year. They played the Saints and the Texans. That's not exactly a strong group of teams to be, you know, getting riled up about. They played, I think, the winner of the NFC East in the long run when it comes to the Cowboys, and they lost. And Darnold threw two picks, looked very much like the Jet quarterback that we know, not being able to take care of the football. Yes, he has five rushing touchdowns. They're using him more in that aspect because he is kind of like sneaky athletic. He always has had that ability to make guys miss in the running game. But – it's a different ball game when you don't have the best running back, arguably, um, in the NFL and Christian McCaffrey. And I, I think that that's really a detriment to him. Um, you saw that in the first couple of games that he played alongside Darnold. It made Darnold's life so much easier, especially in that Jets game where he just kept dumping it off to McCaffrey and he's getting 10 yards a pop. And who wouldn't want that, right? Who wouldn't want to have Christian McCaffrey as their running back? So, uh, I, he's doing better because he's with a better coaching staff. He's surrounded, I think, by better talent. Um, but he's – I always thought basically the last two years of being able to watch him that he's Alex Smithian at best. I, I think he's going to be – you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a top-ten quarterback. He's a good guy, did well by the Jets in terms of just representing them. Um I do wish him the best. He's in the NFC now, so who cares, right? But uh, I just don't think, uh, you know, tearing it up. He's the best he's ever played in the NFL, sure. But uh, we'll see how it goes the rest of the season when he plays some more difficult teams. So you're not sitting there missing him too much is what you're saying. Did you watch the Jets game last weekend? Because I did, and I do not miss Darnold at all compared to that. <laughs> well, last weekend was, was good at the end, but the – it took a little while to get there, so do you think that's going to be a flash, or do you think that's going to change? Uh, this that was the turning point, and now Wilson is going to be more comfortable and and be a better player. Well, I, it's not necessarily on Wilson. Their their biggest issue, I would say, in the first four games is just they've had abysmal starts on offense. They got very fortunate. I think in the last game in terms of just not falling too far behind 
they, you know, the Titans managed to get down to the red zone uh, area, I believe, the first three or three out of four possessions and only managed to get three field goals out of it. A bad snap that went over Tannehill's head, which I thought was destined that drive to go into the end zone and wind up being 10 nothing, and then, you know, 13 nothing, making it a bit difficult in those scenarios. The Jets just haven't been able to muster much uh, in terms of offense in the first quarter, especially the first quarter and the first half um, this season. And seeing them just get some breaks in that way, I think kind of spurred the moment and the fact the Titans just didn't have Julio, they didn't have A.J. Brown, really made the Titans, I think, a bit more one-dimensional um, since they really, I mean, they don't have much in terms of options at receiver outside of them. And, you know, you, they're going to lean on Derrick Henry as much as they can, and they did. And I'm, I am surprised that they managed to fight back big plays, improvised plays by Wilson, basically got them uh, to that ability to actually take the lead and, and win the game. They didn't finish as well as I would have liked to have seen them do. I mean, Wilson missed basically a really, really easy gimme 10-yard out for a first down that would have iced the game. And, you know, they botch that, and then they move on into the you know, OT, and they get fortunate again with a missed field goal. So there are certainly still plenty of things to improve upon, but based off of Wilson's performance and just being that that improvisational guy that he can be a quarterback, he is he can be dynamite if he's given the time and given the uh, leeway in the coaching staff. And I, I think it's certainly a step in the right direction. So do you think he's turning the corner now, or do you think this was just kind of like a, a blip in the road because the, we they were playing a weakened Titans team? Well, I mean, it's it's going to take time. He's a rookie. It's only four games that they've played, and you could argue that, you know, the, the second and third games he looked, I mean, a bit you know, terrible. And the first game he showed flashes coming back in the Panthers, and then obviously they showed improvements in the second half. A rookie quarterback, it takes time, no matter what. There's going to be ups and downs, and it's. I think a lot of this year is going to depend on the opponent and just that feeling out process. And I think the Falcons may be an opponent that they can take advantage of, uh, just because of some of the things going on with that team, um, and build off of the success they had with the Titans and finally getting their first victory. So, uh, I, I think that. It's going to be, look good in spots, and there's going to be some bad days. So I'll take it as a win. It's a growing experience for him. He got the first win out of the way. I think a bit of pressure may be off of the franchise in, in that sense. So maybe they play a little looser, uh, and hopefully they come out with a little more uh, fire in the belly in terms on offense uh, in the first half. Yeah, hopefully not, but um, maybe. <laughs> well, you never know, right? That's why so, we're so, you know, and, and and we're talking about a game too because uh, we're going, we're flying to London for this bad boy, nine a.m. London game. What? How do you think that impacts everybody? Oh. The Jets are, I mean, the youngest team in the NFL. I, I would have to think that the traveling would be more of a detriment to them than the Falcons. But I do think that Salah 
has a way about him and, and being the adult in the room and and just being able to get these young guys to buy in. But I could see I'm, I'm horrified of the idea that they take this flight. They're not used to the surroundings. They're not used to traveling. And they lay another dud in the first quarter, and then they're playing catch-up again. So that's basically what I'm envisioning. Uh, I'm getting prepared for. Uh, I don't want it to happen, but I am ready to be heard again. <laughs> True Jets fan right there. Just expecting. <laughs> Expect the worst, man. The worst. Expect the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Set the bar low, you'll always get over. Oh, well. We, we try to to be optimistic over here for our team. <laughs> so. Oh, well. <laughs> well, that's fair. <laughs> so you guys have been, obviously, you guys had a tough one last week with the you know, the Washington football team and it, it, you know, kind of a game that I think the Falcons had control over. What is it that you think the Falcons are going to be able to bring to the table? Or do you think they can rebound or are they in free fall mode? Uh, they're going to win this week. They have to. <laughs> <laughs> they have to. Yeah, I, I think this is a different culture than what we're used to. Um, and Arthur Smith's really going to need to show that this week. Um, and, Similarly to to what you said, this what a better opponent to show that you you know have a bounce back week against than the New York Jets um, <laughs> in London, you know, you know, and this is this game's huge for us, not just for the season, but it's also huge for our culture. You know, Arthur Smith wants to bring in this new culture, this new accountability. Um, they don't want to be looked at as the same old Falcons that you know can have a huge lead and squander it they they wouldn't want to be this team that you know free falls when things go wrong uh, like we've seen in the past and so this game is huge you know for our culture for our season for any chance i don't say any chance but for real good shot at making the playoffs it's one in three it's tough to make the playoffs but one in four it, it it seems almost impossible that is that is very optimistic thinking by you guys because uh I'm under the impression that the Falcons and the Jets will be picking in the top eight in the draft this year. So, I mean, you guys are thinking playoffs. Good, good on you. That you guys yeah. are very, very kind souls. Well, well that, know, that's the goal. I, it's, yeah, it can be the goal. Just because it's going to be executed. The Giants made the playoffs at eight and eight and won the Super Bowl. You know. You think that the we got Falcons an extra have a better record than the Buccaneers? Don't need no. To. We got. We got an extra playoff. We got an extra playoff slot. So we got an extra game to bounce back from. You know, I'm just one of those people where I won't throw the towel in until it's it's officially over. So until then, we just got to keep on seeing how we're going to grow and what can happen until you know, like I said, until we make the playoffs or until we can't anymore. More power to you. I mean, you we, we <laughs> talked about this, but I mean, in my wildest dreams, I thought the Jets could go seven and ten this year. And uh, I think that's certainly possible, but watching the first three games, that kind of dampened that expectation. But we'll see. They still obviously have some teams that they could win. I mean, the Dolphins look right for the picking right now, especially with you know the injuries they have with Tua and, and so on. So there, there could be a possibility of that, but it's tough. I mean, going to London, these are two teams that are dying to get this victory, that's for sure. Yeah, whoever loses this game, like you said, is is basically being set up for a top third of the draft. That's for sure. Oh, top 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 three potentially of the draft, not, not top 
I'm being optimistic again. Uh, you guys are very optimistic. I would not <laughs> last in it with being a Jets fan, that's for sure. Oh, do you do you feel like Salah is somewhat changing that mentality, though? Like, do you feel like maybe you don't have to live in that headspace anymore? I mean, I was in the off season. There were two people that I, I would have considered for the Jets to actually take as head coach, and that was Salah and the enemy. One or the other, I think I would have been very happy with, and I'm thrilled that it worked out with Salah. I mean, he it seems kind of hokey, but all gas, no break. The mentality that he's brought, the, the motto, the culture, I think it really works with a young team. Um, it, it, in a lot of ways, he's a player's coach. He's understanding. He's open to discussion. He's open with his coaching staff. He's always adapting. He's listening. And I think that's the most effective way to coach. I think that's how I coach. You know, I want to hear what my my players say and think and what they have as an understanding of the week. And I want to hear what my coaches hear and think and say because I don't know. I don't have all the answers. And I think Sal is smart enough to do that. And that makes him a very solid coach as well as obviously seems like a great guy. And I think that young players, young athletes gravitate towards that. Veterans as well, but I think especially just them being such a young core uh, is something that they can gravitate towards and and really grab a hold of. Yeah, it always seems like he's connected with the defensive players especially. It seems like they love playing for him. I mean, it seemed evident last week when they're getting, what, seven sacks too. Yep. No, I mean, he, he looks like he's having a blast on the sideline, when they're, especially when they're having success. He's, he's like the, the proud dad on the sidelines, like when he sees his boys doing well. He's fist pumping and he's having a grand old time. You, know, you can't help but be excited when you see him on the sidelines and, and when there's success being had, especially because he is a defensive guy. I mean, Jeff Ulbrich's been uh, has done an exceptional job with this group. I, I did not imagine him that the Jets' defense would be a top-ten defense. I, I thought mediocre at best. I thought they had a lot of holes in the secondary. And losing Carl Lawson, I thought, was going to be a big shot in terms of just being able to pressure the quarterback. But Bryce Huff has been, I think, a, a very welcome surprise. And then Jonathan Franklin Myers has been otherworldly in a couple games. Quinnen's Quinnen. He's kicking it. And... Sheldon Rankins has been a welcome addition. You know, as long as he stays healthy, he is a heck of a one-two punch with Quinnen in the middle of the D-line. And you're seeing some of that coaching from Salah's time with the Niners and just their ability as a, to just take over a game with that forefront. And you're seeing it now with the Jets, and it's it's kind of mind-blowing. I did not expect to see such a an impact uh, this soon. With I, I did not think that they, with losing Lawson, were going to be able to do stuff like this. We'll see if it continues, of course. It's still very early in the season, but it's certainly uh, certainly something to look forward to. Yeah, and I, I always loved Brick. I mean, he was awesome for us as a linebackers coach, and I think Atlanta really made a mistake when they promoted Raheem Morris to defensive coordinator over him um, because when you notice – so. It, Atlanta last year when they fired Dan Quinn the defense was was not very good 
And then when their defense started taking over was when Raheem Morris became the, the head coach, the interim head coach, and Breck started taking over the defensive play calling duties. And that's when you saw, you know, Atlanta really, they almost shut down the Chiefs. I mean, he's an, he's incredible. I was really hoping they would be able to find a way to keep him on in Atlanta. But obviously he's found a nice little home on, on the Jets with, with you guys and your staff. And, you know, you're like you already mentioned it, but your defense is torn to pieces. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I have a buddy of mine that coaches uh, in Chatham and his, his sons play at, at Chatham High School. So and they mm. never played football. They never played football before this year. But Ulbrick is he's solid. I would not be surprised. He might get if if this continues with this top, you know, this ability to turn this group into a a, a top ten unit or borderline top ten unit. He, he's going to have his name very much like uh, Patrick Graham for the Giants did last year, last offseason, I, I think he's going to have his name in the head coaching ring and, and start getting interviewed if he can keep this unit at this level right now because it's pretty evident he's got a big, big handprint on this, and, and they're having some success right now. Yeah, I would not be surprised. He's he's an incredible person, just a great guy, great coach, smart, and, and just you know very caring about his players and passionate about what he does. Bill, what do you think are some matchups, like key matchups we need to be looking for this game? Um, man, first one that comes to mind as a fantasy football guy and a, you know, a guy that was kicking himself for not starting uh, Cordero Patterson despite him doing a fine job in the first three weeks. Uh, it, it, he performed unreal against the Washington football team with those three touchdowns and, and, you know, just his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. has been a, obviously a welcome addition for Matt Ryan. So knowing that and knowing how the Jets did against not Derrick Henry in the passing game, but McNichols, their scat back third down passing running back, uh, pass receiving running back who caught uh, the most cat actually had the most catches for the Titans and I believe the most yards, or, or at least the most yards, and basically just caught a couple screen passes, dump off, and took them for 20 yards, 30 yards. They had third and 21. It was a little screen play. He takes it, gets a first down. Same thing happens later on in the game. Second and, like, 18, screen play, first down. So if the Jets struggle to take care of the running back and passing situations. I could see Patterson having quite a game once more if the Jets don't correct that or cannot get to the football uh, in a a uh, <laughs> quick way when they're dumping it off because they did not do a very good job of just being able to limit that ability for the running back in the passing game. And then and on the really the the ball. on the other side of the ball for the Jets, yeah. Well, I was gonna, I was going to say the Jets D line versus the Falcons O line. Falcons O line's been struggling, mm. and the Jets they're coming off a hot, hot couple games. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the Jets D line against this O line and see what happens. I think Matty Ice might be, uh, might be getting heated, heat up a little bit, and he might be melting back there if uh, the Jets D line is as strong as it has been in uh, last since last week. But 
we'll have to you'll have to see because the Falcons' uh, offensive line has been gelling a lot recently. They only ended up giving one sack up to uh, Washington, and that was just on a missed stunt play, um, stunt uh, from the D line. So you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see for sure. Washington's been a really big disappointment on defense, though. They just they haven't been able to do anything, mm-hmm. which is weird. I, I did, wouldn't have ever expected it, but. Yeah, I mean, that certainly you perform against those guys uh, of quality athletes that they have. It certainly can help boost a uh, an O-line's morale. Uh, so maybe they feel like they can take on the Jets and their success, and maybe they're up to the challenge. I just think that it could be a, it could be a tough one if the Jets come to play like they did against the Titans. But on the the other side of the ball for the Jets, I would say, are the Falcons able to limit the Jets' deep passing game and just Wilson's ability to take shots? He wants to take shots. Mm. He wants to give Corey Davis, he wants to give Keelan Cole, those guys, the ability to stretch the field, get some deep, big money plays, get the offense rolling. Um, if he's able to connect on two, three of those deep balls, I think the Jets have this uh, momentum and, and take the game if the Falcons defense isn't able to limit those type of plays. It's just, mm-hmm. it's pretty, it's pretty evident because Wilson is, he, he, he wants to improvise. It, it, you know, the Corey Davis touchdown where he's telling him, hey, just keep going with, you know, with his offhand and just slings it 60 yards in the air and drops it in the bucket. I mean, that's, that's his bread and butter. That's what he's meant to do. Rolling them out, doing those things, short passing game, intermediate passing game. That's great and all. He's accurate. But he wants to have some fun, throw the ball deep, and I love watching it. So I'm thinking that's that's the offensive matchup for me for the Jets. And that'll be the nice thing for us too, because when he ro- and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when I've seen most of those deep throws, he's rolling to his right and he's launching it to his right to Corey Davis there, and that's where we have AJ Terrell sitting, and he's had a tremendous season thus far. So yeah. hopefully that's what they try and do. I don't want to see him rolling, rolling to. If I'm a, a, the Jets' offensive coordinator, I don't want to try seeing having him roll left and bombing it that way across his body or anything. So sure, sure. No, I mean that, that's fair. I mean AJ Terrell has been kicking it uh, and doing very well, but I don't know. Um, it, it could be a matter of who's going to step up in in order to relieve Corey Davis of that pressure. Jameson Crowder is healthy. Uh, looks like Denzel Mims might be getting back in the rotation here, which has been long overdue. I think Keelan Cole is a, a nice, serviceable, really like third-string guy, not really a number two. But and you know, the biggest issue with the Jets is you can never rely on their tight ends to do anything because they never have any decent tight ends. Um, so you don't have to worry much about that in Falcons fans, at least. Well, how about the offensive line? How have they how have they been playing this year? I think that they've they struggled early on. Um, they've had moments. They've had games like last game. They they did a fairly good job. I think Wilson was fairly unscathed. The only guy that was getting pressure was like Harold Landry, um, and really, other than that, they they did a pretty decent job. They don't have Beckton right now. He's still out. He just had that uh, I think that arthroscopic surgery on his kneecap, so he's still going to be out for at least a hand you know maybe three weeks, four weeks. But Morgan Moses has, I think, done a fine job. George Fant has been okay. 
Greg Van Rotten's terrible. He's literally rotten. He's so if you wanna if you wanna <laughs> pressure if you wanna pressure a guy or pressure the line, go through him. Go go through the right guard because uh, he's he's trash. Don't say that. Don't say that because we got a guy. We got a guy by the name of Grady Jarrett who's gonna he's gonna have a field day with him. Oh, I, I think he could. He'll show you he very what, well could. He'll show you what rotten really is. No, I, I have no doubt. So that's that's what worries worries me the most is just being able to make sure that Wilson's not on his back from that pressure that comes through the A's and B gaps. I, I don't necessarily think that you know he's he's going to see that as long as they keep on trying to run the football. They haven't had much success running the football, but I, I think it's been picking up the last two weeks. Uh, they're still lacking like a major run threat. I do like Mike Carter a lot, but I compare him to when, you know, the Bengals had Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. I think he's more of a Giovanni Bernard type. I think the Jets still need a legit number one um, in terms of a running back, and that could come in the next draft or what have you. But there's certainly options, but they got to do a good job of getting Wilson out of the pocket using that play-action game to keep the Grady Jarrett of the world uh, from assaulting the quarterback and make sure that they mix in some of those screen passes perhaps, try to help out the running game by making these, you know, convertible downs or getting three, four yards a pop. Um, the, The last thing they need is to really put pressure on Wilson early on, especially with, you know, oh, they get one yard off first down, they only get two yards off second down, and then we're dealing with third and longs. they got to get into, I think, some easy convertible downs early on to get into a rhythm. So hopefully that's the case, though. Yeah, so so I was going to ask, because we're starting to run out of time here, my, my last question was going to be, um, what needs to happen for the Jets to win this game? And it sounds like um, keep, keep it very convertible third downs, keep the pressure off of – keep the pressure off of Wilson – and then maybe defensively stopping Atlanta's, or at least slowing down Atlanta's weapons or getting to Matt Ryan before we can utilize those weapons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, their D-line has to crush it again. The offense needs to be ready to play to start the game, not just in the second half, I would say. Forget the convertible downs. If the offense comes out and they're able to, hey, look, look out. If the Jets put up points in the first quarter, I think they win the game. I mean, imagine. Imagine that. They had their first lead of the season last game. Maybe they come out fired up and they get a touchdown or they get some points in the first quarter. Look out. All right. They might win the game if that happens. <laughs> Jeff, what do you think for Atlanta? Like, what do we need to do in order to secure a victory in London? I think they need to, on offense, just give Matt enough time to, to do what he was doing this past week. I think. He doesn't need a ton of time back there, but he does need some time to find some people, and I think they'll be fine. I think the run game will be okay, just as it has been most games this year. And then defensively, I think they need to try and pressure Zach as much as they can, which is not as much as we would like, but hopefully they can get there. And then Bill earlier was talking about Wilson likes the the deep ball, and if he can connect on those, that'll be a real problem, and I, I agree. So I think they need to stay with uh, the receivers in, in coverage and not have some of the mental mistakes that we've had in coverage this year with 
some really untimely pass interference calls or holdings or maybe losing focus near the end of, of a play and like letting uh, McLaurin last week just get a uh, touchdown catch on a, a duck of a ball. So I think staying with uh, the receivers will be a big, big part of it as well. Definitely. Now, before we go, Bill, you're going to have to go first because this is my podcast. Um, <laughs> what is your <laughs> what is your uh, pr- uh, prediction, score prediction for the game? I'm going to go, and I'm going to ride with my Jets. I'm going to ride with them. I'm feeling good, feeling froggy from last week. So we're going to go 27-20 Jets. Wow. Oh, stop I, it. I, I'd say Salah's already had an impact on you guys. You're not as uh... – not as negative as when you even started this podcast. Well, the way you were, the way you were describing how the Falcons can win, I felt a little more confident. So I, I actually, uh, I think I feel pretty good right now with your your description there, Jeff. It wasn't exactly upbeat. It sounded like me after a Jets loss. <laughs> Jeff, thoughts on the final prediction? I, I think Atlanta is going to have a good game this week. I think the defensive line won't be too too big of an issue for Matt, even though they had a great, great week last week. I think the Titans did a poor job of adjusting to the fact that they were getting a lot of pressure, whereas the Falcons are very used to there being some some issues, and they really did a good job against Washington about how to avoid getting into some bad situations. So I think I think the Falcons could have a uh, 34 to 17 week. I think I think that's I think that's what I'm. That's what I'm feeling. That's actually really close to what I was going to say. I was going to say. Uh, I was going to say 33 to 10. Um, Atlanta wins. I'm going to say Matt Ryan absolutely goes off against this very weak Jets secondary, and <laughs> we see the D. De- <laughs> and we see the defense all sorts of fired up off of a bad week, and they just make make this rookie. They just make this rookie quarterback uncomfortable in the pocket, and he makes a lot of mistakes just with the exotic blitz schemes that Dean Pease throws his way. I'm I'm going to say something that I'm guaranteeing it's going to jinx it. However, there's only one team in the NFL that has not given up a touchdown, a passing touchdown to a wide receiver this year. That is the New York Jets. How about a running back? Because we had four touchdowns running backs last week. And they've only given up two passing touchdowns all season. There you go. With that, we are out of time. Um, we just kind of went over the Jets with uh, Bill here, and we're going to uh, get try and get another episode out to you guys later on in the week. We took some of your questions. We're going to try and answer them as many as we can. Before we leave, though, Bill, anything you want to say? Hey, love being on the pod. Best of luck. Uh, I mean, not this week, of course, but the rest of the way. And um, look forward to hearing more from you guys. All right, cool. Bill, thanks for joining us. Jeff, as always, thanks. And to everybody listening, thank you. Again, this is Thon Ray. You guys can follow us at Falcons underscore drip on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Please make sure you subscribe, follow, whatever you need to do to get the alert for our next episode. If you guys enjoyed today, please leave us a review. It always helps us grow. Until then, see you next time. Rise up. (laughs) 